Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate teen mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. First of all, right from the jump, I want to say that this week I am on Princess Jones Curtis, Feathers in My Hair, Guest Extraordinaire. I am on her podcast, her new podcast, which is called By Pumpkin, which is spelled P-U-M-K-I-N. It's about reality TV. The first season is her talking about Flavor of Love, season one. We talked about Flavor of Love, season one, episode six. Of course, it's Princess and I, so we talked for like two hours. So go listen to that episode. It comes out the same day as this episode. Her podcast comes out on Sundays. So yeah, go listen to that. You will like it. It was really fun to do. And honestly, it's like not that different from a Feathers in My Hair episode when the two of us do it except we just are talking about a different show. So go enjoy. Anyway, hi everyone. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, For those of you that don't know, you can have, uh, you can have, you can subscribe to our Patreon. You can find the link in my feathers underscore pod Instagram bio. I did a bonus episode this week. I didn't ask me anything. I mostly like 95% of the Questions I answered were personal questions, not teen mom related, but when I solicited questions for that, I got a bunch of teen mom questions, and I'm going to answer some of those today in this episode. Um, I know I was off last week, and I feel like shit right now, so I didn't want to take off this week. Basically, I got a massage this afternoon, and then came home and took a nap, and now I honestly feel like I'm dying. Like, I... (laughs) Does this happen to anyone else? I didn't drink enough water, I think, today is the issue. I know you're supposed to drink, like, a ton of water. I didn't because I'm a fucking idiot, and I usually do, but I took a nap, and I was, like, planning on getting up and recording, and I really feel like somebody has hit me in the face with a baseball bat. So I was like, perfect. (laughs) I will talk about the reunion, of course, um, because... Something actually interesting happened on the reunion for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years. So I'll talk about the reunion, obviously, the Corey and Miranda stuff. I will, I don't know, guys. Okay, I don't really want to talk about Team Mom Young and Pregnant today. Here's the thing. I am really enjoying watching Team Mom Young and Pregnant, but I don't think talking about Team Mom Young and Pregnant excites me that much. Obviously, I'm not dropping it at all. Like I said, I really like watching it, but I think for me as a podcaster who does this podcast, as a podcaster who records this podcast that you're listening to, I will say the harder thing about Team Mom Young and Pregnant, especially now that they've brought in new moms, is that it's kind of in a way difficult to talk about because I don't know them. Like I started Feathers in My Hair in, wow, three years ago, basically, in January 2016. 17, 2017. Um, so Teen Mom had already been on the air for like eight years at that point. You know, like I'd been immersed in Teen Mom for like eight years 
by January 2017, so I knew all about them, and, like, the fun part, obviously, as you guys all know, the thing I like most about this podcast is, like, getting into the backstory and the details and the social media of it all, and I feel like that doesn't exist for me for Teen Mom Young and Pregnant just because it can't. (laughs) I will talk about it. That's not true. When I say I don't want to talk about it, I just mean I'm going to, like, briefly go over my thoughts and feelings on each mom's segment, but I'm not going to recap it this week because I'm just not feeling that great. But I, it was really important for me to still record an episode this week since I didn't put one out last week. Uh, I did, of course, do my Wild and Wonderful Lights West Virginia episode, which was probably my favorite podcast episode to ever record. I, it was so funny. Troy is such a gift. I love Troy so much. And it was just such a joy to like finally do something that we've been talking about doing for year, literal years. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. And I didn't want to leave you two weeks in a row without Teen Mom. But if you're feeling like, Liz, bring me the content. I'm saying like you can subscribe to the $5 level on Patreon and listen to my bonus episode, which I think is like 45 minutes long of me talking. You can listen to me on By Pumpkin this week which is like two hours of me talking, (laughs) including some Teen Mom stuff, because what are we going to do, not talk about Teen Mom? So yeah, that's it. That's what I'm going to talk about. Um, Should we start with what happened in the news this week, guys? I can't fully remember (laughs) what happened. Oh, so as we all have discussed, as we all have discussed, we all don't discuss things. I mean, I guess we do on my Instagram. By the way, shout out to the listener who tagged me in the Team Mom Shade Room Instagram comment. Team Mom Shade Room, I don't actually look at the account. Like, I I don't have any feelings towards it because I don't look at the account. But they had not posted something new that happened and somebody left a comment and was like, yo, go look for this info on Feathers Pod Instagram. And I got like 25 new followers in the last, or like in two days. So seriously, huge shout out to you. I really appreciate it. That was really nice of you. (laughs) Don't go and like spam me, I'm saying. But like it was, she was right. Like I had the information and the T-Mom Shade Room account didn't. So that, I appreciated that very much. But basically, the other day, Friday, I feel like I posted on Thursday or Friday, like, 25 things to my Instagram. It's so weird. I swear I will go, like, five days without posting anything because nothing's going on. And then, like, 10 things will happen at once and I don't want to not post because I'm, like, clogging feeds or whatever. I don't really care about, like, engagement and what's the best way to post. So I just post when shit happens, which often means I'm posting, like, three things within an hour and then not posting again for four days. But Leah and Kale had their private messages sold to Radar Online. Basically, this girl named Rachel had hopped on an Instagram Live that Leah was doing about her cult mitt training. And she, I guess, was like, she sent Leah her phone number and Leah texted her and was like trying to get her to join her cult and spend $600 on an introductory class. Um, then I, I, I think that, why am I getting lost right now? (laughs) Guys, my head is like detached from my body. Okay, so Rachel then posted about this on Instagram and Leah reposted it and Kale saw Leah's repost. 
So Kale DM'd Rachel and was like, don't fucking, (laughs) do not join this cult. Hold on. I want to read what she said. Exactly. Because it's like kind of crazy. She said, she said, yeah, she will only tell me this stuff on the phone too. I'm not into it. The girl's like, should I be scared? My boys are little. My husband is on a field trip, field op for weeks. What if they come to the house? And Kale said, I'm not sending you any lies. I just want you to be aware of what you're going into. I don't like that young moms believe her about it and will go broke trying to afford it. Then Kale linked to the GQ article about it. And she says this article claimed that six people died in the group. 35 sued, which is true. And the girl's like, from the same cult? And Kale says, yes, exclamation points. Uh, The girl says, should I contact the authorities? Like, I'm legit scared. She knows all my info. Kale says, I don't know if there's anything I can, if they can do. And she said, I filed out, I filled out paperwork and even referenced Leah. I don't know what that means exactly. Um, I'm assuming with the organization. Kale says she keeps getting emails about it, but she won't do it. And then Kale says, unfortunately, those type of programs target weak people who can be um, manipulated. <laughs> uh, she says the email associated with his goddess or whatever is not okay either. Kale says, um... She literally mocked me when I said it and told me that if people are weak and can't handle being called out, it's not good for them. I told you, belittling, that's how they get people to fall for them. Mock them, belittle them. I'm so happy. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And uh, I don't think you have to be afraid of anybody. Basically, Kale's like, I don't know what to do. I don't want her to lose her as my friend, but I don't think any of this is okay. So this girl went and sold these messages to Radar, which is really funny. (laughs) I did see some people on Reddit who were like, I don't think she's doing it for the right reasons. And it's like, yeah, new shit. (laughs) A new shit. The girl that, like, was DMing Leah to join her, like, motivational speaking, whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) Colt. And then selling the messages to Radar is not doing it for the right reason, but I'm glad that she's doing it. Leah and Kale are both like, oh, no, 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 we're friends. Like, I wish that girl didn't go public, but, like, we're friends. It's okay. But I just think it's interesting. I don't think Leah and Kale will be friends for very long. I don't think her Leah's organization is going to allow Kale to stay friends, or excuse me, allow Leah to stay friends with her. I think it's good that Kale at least is trying to call her out now. Is it ironic that Kale happens to be deeply involved in a multi-level marketing association called Sensi? Is it ironic that Kale uh, now is a staunch anti-vaxxer who is posting shit like, um, you know that picture of Anne, there, this meme that's like a picture of Anne Frank, and it's like the laws aren't always moral, and then... But it's, like, from an anti-fax account. I'm laughing because that's, like, the worst thing that you can... Um, comparing vaccines to the Holocaust is... Yeah. 2,000 steps too far. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Kale also is a flat earther, maybe. I don't know. The flat earth stuff, I kind of think she's trolling. Also, I'll be honest. I kind of think Kale's trolling with this anti-vax stuff. Now, listen. I don't think that makes it okay. I do not believe that Kale's passionate about anti-vaccination. I think she doesn't vaccinate her kids. But, like, I also think that she doesn't really care about vaccines and, like, the movement. Like, I have some people I keep on my Facebook for the LOLs 
that like absolutely are like deep in this anti-vax stuff. And I personally don't think Kale is like that. I think Kale just gets a lot of attention for being anti-vax. Like a lot, a lot of attention. Like anytime she posts something anti-vax, she gets tons of Reddit posts, tons of tweets, tons of Instagram stuff. Like that's why I haven't been posting the anti-vax stuff that much on my Instagram. Because part of it is like, what's there to talk about? Like now we know Kale is anti-vax. This stuff is like not factual. It's kind of like, I don't know. Talking about Kale and the anti-vax stuff can get a little like circle jerky to me where everybody's just like patting themselves on the back for being so smart because they're pro-vaccination. And I just don't, there's nothing really to talk about with it, I guess. But I personally think that Kale doesn't necessarily believe this shit. She just likes the attention that it brings her. But that, of course, does not justify what she's posting because she's still posting very something extremely harmful to her extremely large platform. So when people are like, wow, the anti-vaxxer like cares about the cult, I get it. Like I do get it like that Kale is quite a hypocrite, but I also think in Kale's day-to-day, she doesn't walk around thinking about these conspiracy theories that she posts on Instagram, and I don't think they actually like impact her way of life almost at all. So I do think that she's probably very put off by the cult. Also, like, the Sensi, like, she's, like, barely involved in that. She just is making money off her downline still. She's not, like, obsessed with the MLM life. So I think for Kale, like, in her day-to-day, I don't think she's very MLM involved. I don't think she's very anti-vax involved. Like, and so I think she is freaked out by the Leah stuff. But, of course, she's still a hypocrite. Like, of course she's still a hypocrite. Of course. And her anti-vax stuff that she's posting is, like, insanely offensive. It's insanely offensive. Um, I just, part of me is, like, there's no point in calling her out because she knows she's wrong and she knows she's doing it for attention. She, I really, I just don't believe that she truly believes in it. It's kind of like David. Like, I don't believe that David believes wholeheartedly, like, a lot of shit he posts. He just, like, he knows he's going to get attention for it, but at the same time, it, like, doesn't matter because uh, he's willing to post that disgusting stuff for attention, so it's just as bad as posting it because you believe it, and that's how I feel about Kale. Like, it doesn't matter even if she, like, doesn't really believe in it because she's still posting it, but talking about it, I just don't think there's that much to talk about because I don't think it's something that Kale, like really fervently believes in. I don't think Kale passionately believes in, like, almost anything. Uh, Speaking of Kale, Leah went on Kale's podcast this week. Well, it was recorded, like, I think right after Halloween. And I listened, and it was kind of a wild episode. Uh, Apparently, Joe and V and Javi and Lauren met up to take the boys sugar-treating, and Kale was truly stunned that they didn't invite her. Which, from an outsider, I'm like, you were? <laughs> like, girl, what? How, why were you surprised? Like, first of all, you hate Lauren and talk a ton of shit on Lauren all the time on television. Like, you just had a huge thing with Joe. Like, they're not inviting you anywhere, girl. Like, <laughs> like I understand maybe feeling a little sad because Lux wasn't with his brothers and his two brothers were together. But that's also like... That's the reality of having three kids with three dads, especially when 
like one of the kid only one of the kids developed a relationship with the second dad. You know what I mean? Like Lux doesn't have a relationship with Javi, so Javi isn't gonna go out of his way to make sure he facilitates meetups with Lux like he is with Isaac. Um, but Kale acting like shocked is just so Kale. It's so Kale for her to like spend a whole fucking year like shitting on everybody around her and then being like, why doesn't anybody want to hang out with me? So dumb. Um, okay, Leah also talks about in this podcast, not also because I haven't said anything that she said. Leah in this episode is, first of all, she's a fucking idiot. Like, I don't know how to fully convey how stupid Leah is. At one point, Lindsay, who is also an idiot, but like in quite a different way. Lindsay's an idiot because she's like a racist xenophobe and like she won't travel because she's like scared of any foreign people, but she's not stupid stupid in like the classical sense which Leah is (laughs) Leah's classically stupid if you will so they're talking about Jeremy and she's like Jeremy and I are best friends we're best friends and Lindsay's basically saying like okay but what if he gets a girlfriend and she goes how would you navigate co-parenting if Jeremy gets a girlfriend and I swear to god Leah pauses and goes navigate She did not know what navigating meant. She didn't know. I'm not, like, go and listen to it. I'm not just, like, like, shitting on her or exaggerating. Like, I stopped the podcast, rewound 15 seconds so I could listen to this again just to be sure that I was clear. She's like, navigate? Like, truly did not, could not use context clues, had no fucking clue what Lindsay meant when she asked, how will you navigate a relationship with Jeremy when he gets a new girlfriend? Like, that is bleak. And Lindsay, you could tell Lindsay was like, does this bitch not know what I mean? (laughs) Lindsay was like, I mean, like, how will you and Jeremy act, like, if he gets a girlfriend? Jeremy apparently told Kayla he was going to propose to Leah on stage at the reunion, (laughs) which is um, interesting. Leah brought up the girls and said that Allie and Grace do well in school. And when they said, how does Addie do in in school? Uh, Leah said that Addie gets bad marks and she wants to homeschool her. She said she asked Jeremy and Jeremy was like, let's talk about it later. aka Jeremy for all his faults is not that stupid uh Leah wanting to homeschool Addie like she didn't even mention homeschooling the twins because she knows Corey would never let her do that but it is um wild 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 to think that classically stupid Leah would homeschool Addie how about you just discipline your fucking child oh it's also revealed in this episode because I guess Jeremy told this to Lindsay and Kale that Addie goes through Leah's phone, looks at who she's talking to and what she's saying, and tells Jeremy all of the guys that she's talking to. It's just so, it's so crazy. Addie is so, such a bad behaved, a badly behaved child. Like, such a badly behaved child in a way that everybody keeps laughing at and I'm fucking horrified by Like I said, that little girl has no home training and is just really going to, the only one that's really going to be hurt by that is Addie. And life is going to get really hard for her because life is really hard for bad kids. 
Um, what else did Leah say? Oh, Leah said when they were talking about Joe and Javi being friends, and they're like, Lindsay's like, well, what about Corey and Jeremy? Do you see them ever meeting up or whatever? She says, in all fucking serious, well, you know they buddied up to get my kids taken away from me. Like, Leah still takes no fucking accountability for the fact that she was a fucking drug addict that, like, completely neglected her children. And, like, she's lucky the state didn't come in to remove Addie when Jeremy wasn't doing shit. And just her saying that is so crazy to me. It's so typical Leah. I'm going to get more into it shortly because I'm just going to jump into that at the reunion because it's not like there was anything else really worth talking about at the reunion. Like there ever is. Dr. Drew was unbearable. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. The reunion. I think that's all that was on the podcast this week. That I, <laughs> That's all for my podcast. No, that was all that was on Kale and Lindsay's podcast. I've, I've said before, like, I think Kale's actually pretty good at podcasting. I just don't like Lindsay. Although I didn't find her as unbearable in this episode. I will say they have like 22 ads in an hour long podcast and they just like inject the ads in. So like you're listening, you're listening, then you're like, wait, am I listening to an ad? (laughs) And I know like a lot of podcasts do that and they get paid more to do that. And like, I'm not, I'm not knocking their hustle, but there are serious, I'm not kidding that they probably had eight ads on the hour long episode I listened to, which means they're making like a lot of money and I guess good for them. But as a listener, it like really kills the vibe. Um, Said by me, who's probably going to have two ads on this episode. Here's hoping that I have two ads on this episode. If not just one, but I mean, like, like I said, like I run ads if I have ads, like not knocking having ads, but it's kind of shocking. I listen to a lot of like pretty popular podcasts and, you know, Reply All isn't running that many ads (laughs) like This American Life, although I will go to my deathbed saying This American Life is not a fucking podcast. It's a radio show that also gets uploaded on a podcast stream. But like This American Life doesn't have that many ads, like I was about to name a bunch of NPR stuff, but they don't have that many ads because they're on NPR, which is, you know, mostly ad-free except for their sponsorships. You know what I mean. But, like, these major, major podcasts that I listen to don't have, like, half as many ads as Lindsay and Kale do. It's just too many. It really, in my opinion, like, hurts as hurts my listener experience. But, yeah. Oh, oh, the other thing Leah said, I can't believe, I. this is why I listen to this podcast. Leah has gone vegetarian, and she says that when you don't eat meat, your body, <laughs> your body breaks down carbs in a way that you will not gain weight. And also, Kale said she doesn't eat salad at all, which, like, I'm not a very healthy eater. I know you're all truly shocked that I'm not a very healthy eater, but, like, you can't eat a Cobb salad, girl. Like, there's a million ways to eat an unhealthy salad. I think it's a very weird statement to say, like, I don't eat salad. Like, there's so many types of salad. Like, that's a weird statement to me. Where was I? Oh, so Leah said that she, your body, if you don't eat meat, your body breaks down carbs in a special way so that you won't gain weight. And she said that your body produces enough protein that you don't need to eat meat. So Leah's about to have a vitamin deficiency, y'all. Leah's not going to take vitamins to get enough protein because Leah doesn't give a fuck. Uh, she's so stupid. Her, She was talking, she was plugging her book, which is coming up, which I still, as I've said, I can't wait for Jess to read. Although, honestly, like, 
if she really gets into it, I might read it. Although I'm not sure, like, what she could really, really spill that wouldn't be, like, easily explained to me. But sometimes I have to read or listen. Like, I had to listen to this podcast when I read such a crazy excerpt. I'm like, oh, I have to experience that for myself. But yeah, Leah is crazy. Like, in this episode of the podcast, she comes across so stupid. Um, But yeah, that's it. Let's take a quick break and then we will get into the reunion. So the reunion was actually kind of exciting. (laughs) First of all, I want to say Dr. Drew grind my gears in this reunion. Do every reunion do I say that he bothered me? I feel like I probably do. I feel like when I'm not watching the reunion, I'm like, oh, whatever. Dr. Drew is fine. He's just there to do his job. He, like, doesn't really care about it. Like, who cares? Why are you upset about Dr. Drew? Like, that's how I think in my head when I'm not watching the reunions. But when I'm watching the reunions, I'm like, I want to fucking kill Dr. Drew. <laughs> he is so misogynistic in a way that is, like, appalling to watch. Like, every single thing he does, he blames on the moms. He never, like, holds any of the dads accountable at all unless he's saying they're love addicts. Um. Oh, I want to address something. Let me address this right off the bat. I got a bunch of comments. Why were Drew and Nessa calling Devon divine? Is that what they were saying? Devoin? I can't remember how they were pronouncing it, but I do believe the way they were pronouncing it is actually the correct way and that it was revealed either last reunion or the reunion before that his name is not Devon. <laughs> That's Brie decided she wanted to pronounce the name D-E-V-O-I-N as Devon. And so that's what she and her family call him. And that's what he's called on the show. But that's not his name. And that's not like that's not how his family pronounces his name. I don't know if like he like when he meets people, how he introduces himself because I've never met him and shook his hand and said, what's your name? But I believe it's the way that Drew and Nessa were saying it, which is kind of crazy. And I think that maybe they were making a conscious effort to call him that because that's what he told them his name was because they were both doing it. And I think that um, MTV would have, like production, I think, would have stepped in and per- like corrected how they're pronouncing his name. Um, yeah. So that's a fun fact, right? <laughs> Uh, basically, Jay, Chelsea, and Leah start off on stage. There's, like, a little recap, which I always fast forward. Like, I watch the season. I don't, I don't need to see this. And it's the first time Jade is meeting them. And Chelsea goes, I could never be the new girl. And it's like, yeah, Chelsea, we fucking know. Like, there's nothing we know more than the fact that Chelsea couldn't be the new girl. Uh, then Kale comes out. I thought her hair looked nice. Basically, she, like, won't answer any questions about Javi, but is implying that Javi still tries to fuck her. Uh, Chris and Javi apparently tried to fight each other at one point, but they both got on Twitter and was like, uh, that was, like, in 2016. (laughs) Which, yeah, makes a little more sense, aka, like, when Kale and Javi were breaking up, they almost got into a fight, which is believable to me. Uh, 
Kale says that she has no co-parenting relationship right now with Chris in that, and Drew goes, so he lost custody? And Kale goes, I didn't say that. Kale's doing, like, her real coy thing, which I'm, I don't know. I can't stand. It is really infuriating watching her do it. But Kale is like, well, I didn't say he lost custody. But basically, she implies that Chris is not seeing Lux at all right now. He's getting therapy and is trying to change that he can be in Lux's life. I'm assuming that there were more domestic violence incidents, as I'm sure all my listeners remember. When Lux was a baby, Kale's friend, a source close to Kale, uh, told the Ashley that Chris was beating her. That's what Bree was responding to when she was talking about Chris beating Kale's ass. I'm sure Javi was telling Bree that Chris was abusive. Um... So I'm guessing that's what it's referring to, but I was kind of surprised to hear that Chris is not at all in the picture. I'm sure it's changed since then. Um, Someone had texted Kale. Oh, I did want to talk about this. So someone texted Kale that Chris got her pregnant, and Kale apparently turned out not to be true. And Kale is like, I mean, he's probably having sex with other people, but he wouldn't get somebody else pregnant. Now, saw a lot of people like, does she, she knows how baby army is. That's such a stupid thing to say. And, like, I agree that's a stupid thing to say, but I think Kale needs to believe that. I think that Kale has to, like, clings onto the fact that she's Chris's only baby's mother. I think that because she has been fucking Kale or Chris for, I mean, Lux is, Lux is three, right? Did he have a second or third birthday? I can't remember. But Lux is either two and a half or three and a half. I think probably two and a half. Right? That's probably correct. But Lux is... Oh, sorry. I think that Chris and Kale have been fucking for like four to five years. And he will not make her his girlfriend. He refuses to be in a relationship with her. So I think that Kale needs in her head and her heart to hold the title of Chris's baby mother because it elevates her in her head. Not in real world and society or to anybody else but in her head it elevates her above all of the other women that he's like having sex with and talking to and she can say well at the end of the day like I'm the one who has his baby like I think that's really what it's like really what does it for her I think it's really what makes her feel good it's what it's how she's able to sleep at night. It's how she's able to still fuck Chris, even though he won't give her a relationship like she wants. And I just think, like, she needs that status. So she, in her heart, believes, like, well, he wouldn't get anybody else pregnant because he doesn't love them like he loves me. Which is pathetic. Like, girl, that is pathetic. But I think Kale's a pretty pathetic person. And I think that is truly how she feels. And it's just a crazy statement to be like, Chris wouldn't get anyone else pregnant. And it's like, he probably would. Because he got you pregnant. <laughs> uh, then Brie comes out and, I don't know. They say that she's so hard on Devon. She's so hard on Devon. Why is she so hard on Devon? And I feel like I'm kind This is what I mean by, like, Drew is such a misogynist. Like, how come they don't bring Devon out and say, why the fuck don't you call your kid? Like, why do you disappear from your kid's life for so long? Why won't you go to court and get visitation? Like, the fact that it's all in, like, Brie being too hard on Devon, like, come on. Come on. Okay. I want to now talk about Leah. So, Leah comes out. She says co-parenting is going well with Corey. And she says that she does not see 
Remy and Miranda that often. And she says, well, I don't want to be negative. (laughs) She says that the girls were feeling a certain type of way and they felt, Aaliyah felt like she was being treated differently than, than Remy was and that they weren't allowed to call Leah while they were at Corey's house. And so she had the girls write down in a notebook and about their feelings and talk to Corey and that like they're closer than Miranda with ever. So it was like really good. And she's like, I just feel like they should be able to call either one of us at any time. Now I need everyone to remember that Leah is the one of the, if not the biggest liar on this fucking show. She may be worse than Janelle when it comes to telling lies. Leah lies and she lies and she lies let us not forget T.R. Dews. Let us not forget her entire drug addiction that she tried to cape off the show. Let us not forget cheating on both of her husbands, which was kept off the show uh, for a majority of the time. Let us not forget this whole fucking season when she was lying to her kid's face about what was going on with Jeremy and then saying, I don't lie to you. How about last season when she was full on living with Jason and saying she didn't live there and the girls are like, no, we live at Jason's house. Like we live there. So it's really, like, I need everybody to remember that Leah's a fucking liar. She lies, she lies, she lies. She spins tales, she exaggerates, like, she's always lying. She's not a reliable narrator. Now, do I believe that Miranda is strict? Sure. I know a lot of people have always felt like Miranda was a bitch and she's cold, I honestly, like, am so fucking indifferent to Miranda. I never got, like, those bitchy cold vibes from her when she was on the show. She was just there. Like, I never liked Miranda. I never disliked Miranda. Like, I don't think there's ever been anyone in the history of this show that I've felt more indifference towards than Miranda. Do I believe that, like, she is a strict parent? Like, sure. Do I believe that maybe she treats Remy a little different than she tweets the twins? Yeah, probably, because... Remy, first of all, is significantly younger than them. You know, she's like five or six years younger than them. So parenting styles are just different for kids that are 10 versus kids that are five. Uh, And second of all, like Miranda and Corey are with Remy 24-7. And the girls go to Leah's house where there are no fucking rules and then come back. And I would imagine... A lot of the time at Corey's house is spent with Corey and Miranda trying to get them back on schedule. Like, we have to know that there's no bedtime at Leah's house. We know that to be true because we've seen it for years. We see that they run around, do whatever the fuck they want. They look through her phone. They scream in her face. They call her a liar. Like, the girls do whatever the fuck they want to do with Leah. And from what I understand, it's extremely hard as a parent to be the one that is the house with rules and you have to deal with the fallout of the no rule house. I also believe that 10 year olds don't understand that rules and structure means love. It To them, it just means being mean. So they come back from Leah's house and they are at Corey Miranda's and they think Miranda's a bitch because she makes them do their homework and eat vegetables, which Leah doesn't make them do. Um, I also believe that I don't believe for one second that they weren't letting the girls call her. They probably just were not letting them have unlimited access to calling people, which is reasonable for 10-year-olds. A 10-year-old does not need to call their mom on demand whenever they want when they're at their father's house. 
I can, here's a situation I can imagine. Gracie is having a tantrum. She gets put in timeout. She demands that she gets to call her mom. They say, no, you can't call your mom right now because you're in trouble and you're in timeout and you need to have this punishment and you can call your mom tonight at seven o'clock at the call time. And they then go back to Leah's house and they say, mom and, or Miranda and dad wouldn't let me call you. Like, I can see that type of shit. Kids are manipulative. We see it on the show all the time. Kids, like, lying to the other parent about what's going on in the other house. Like, it's fucking hard, you know, for kids to be in two households. It's hard. And I think for Leah to bring this shit up on TV, when Corey Miranda, well, Miranda basically at all, but, like, when these people aren't really on the show anymore and they're not at the reunion, for her and Jeremy to bring this up and trash them is really shitty. Um, I guess what Leah said at first, like, wasn't that bad. The first part about it. I don't know. Like, all Leah needed to say was, like, Corey and I are doing really good. We're co-parenting well. And, you know, it's sometimes hard for the girls because they live at two different houses. And, like, that's hard for a 10-year-old. And we have different parenting styles and different rules. And, like, that's tough to adjust to. And sometimes they feel like they're being treated unfairly. But we're working really hard to make sure that they feel loved and safe at both houses. Like, that's all she had to say. For them to, for her to specifically mention Miranda, I think is a pretty low blow considering Miranda is the primary caregiver to her children. Um, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't like it. I don't believe for one second that they're not letting the girls call. I also don't believe that they should be able to call Leah whenever they want. Like, I don't think kids should be able to do anything whenever they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think it's perfectly reasonable that if you're in the middle of homework, like, you're not allowed to call Leah. Like, and I think it's personally perfectly reasonable that they don't need to be on the phone. And I think it'd be reasonable for Leah to have that rule as well. Like, if I am babysitting, let's say, I understand I'm not a parent, but like, if I'm in a situation where I'm trying to get a kid to do something and they want to stop everything and call, like, I think it's reasonable as the person providing care for the child or the parent to say, like, no, you know, we call at seven o'clock at night and that's when you talk to your mom for the day. I just think it's, I don't think that the kids need to be able to call Leah 24-7. Now, if they're just sitting around not doing anything and they want to call Leah, yeah, sure, of course of course, they should be able to call their mom. But I also understand that, like, if they're getting off of school at, you know, 4 o'clock, then they have to do their homework, and then they have to go to sports, and then they have dinner. Like, there's a schedule, and they have to stick to it. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe, personally, I do not believe that Corey and Miranda are limiting contact unreasonably with Leah. And I think this goes back to the fact that Corey and Miranda have rules and structure at their house, as we know, and Leah does not. And Leah thinks that the girls should be able to call her whenever they want, no matter what. And that's just not reasonable. And it's not how it works when you raise kids. What else is there? Oh, so then Jeremy comes out. And first they talk about, now this is crazy. This is crazy. Jeremy says that he wants to be with Leah and he regrets that it didn't work out and Leah, like, but they're, like, pushing this narrative that Jeremy wanted to be with Leah, but Leah didn't want to be with Jeremy, which is fucking crazy, first of all. That's crazy. Second of all, Leah rightfully, I believe, says, I don't think he wanted to be with me. I think he just wanted to settle. And I think she's absolutely right. And I think it was probably true for both of them, that neither of them actually, like, really wanted to be together. 
They just have good sex. They have good chemistry. On the podcast this week, Leah was saying the two of them are best friends, which she's like, we've all... Okay, first of all, Leah acting like her and Jeremy have always gotten along is fucking insane. (laughs) They have never gotten along. They didn't get along when they were fucking married. (laughs) All they did was scream at each other the whole time they were married. Then, after they were married, all it was is Leah screaming for Jeremy to come home. All last season, Leah and her boyfriend Jason, her serious living boyfriend Jason, remember Jason, guys? Like, talk shit on Jeremy every single episode and said he was a pathetic excuse for a father. Do you remember Jason saying, like, I could never be a father like that? I can't believe he even calls himself a father. <laughs> like, all they did was talk shit on Jeremy in every single episode. So for Leah, she's like, we've always been best friends. It's like, no the fuck you have not. Please, stop. Stop insulting my intelligence like this. Just as you're a dumb dumb doesn't mean I'm a dumb dumb. But I think Lee is absolutely right that Jeremy just wanted to settle. And it's just, I mean, how how many of us have fucking been there where our ex, like, we're lonely, we're single, and our ex is in the picture. And, like, it would just be so easy to be with our ex. It would be settling. Because, like, things are not that, things aren't perfect, but maybe they're not that bad. And, like, you know, you, you'll overlook a lot of stuff because you just want to be with someone. And I think Leah's absolutely right that Jeremy didn't want to be with her. And he just wanted the ease and comfort of being with Leah. And Dr. Drew, and Nessa kind of co-signs it, is like, oh, no, no, that's not right. They're like, Jeremy really loves you, wants to be with you. I'm like, what show? Well, no, they're not watching a show. But, like, what clips were you two motherfuckers watching? Because Jeremy didn't do shit to be with Leah this season. (laughs) He didn't take time off to go to Hawaii. He didn't take her out to dinner ever. (laughs) He made no effort to talk about his feelings or his motivations for wanting to be with her this entire fucking season. And yet, Dr. Drew fucking sits there and tells Leah, who I'm already mad at, but I'm defending in this situation, tells her, Jeremy just really wants to be with you. The fuck he does. The fuck he does. He doesn't want to fucking be with her. Please. It's insulting my intelligence to say that shit. It truly is. It drives me nuts. I cannot stand when Dr. Drew does this. And this is why I find Dr. Drew fucking infuriating because he comes on and he shits on the moms for like truly no reason. And you as a viewer are like, wait, what? That's not true. That's not what happened. What? It's so, I don't know how MTV watches these reunions, and I understand. I'm not expecting Dr. Drew to, like, push back on the girls that hard. Like, uh, that I understand because it's not a Real Housewives reunion. I get that. But the fact that they let the hosts get up there and say information, that is not factual. As a viewer, it drives me up a fucking wall. So then... And guys, I want you to know I took fucking word for word notes on this because I wanted to make sure that I didn't get anything wrong. I have not been hyped up on a storyline on Teen Mom like this in a long time. It was, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was, this was crazy to me. I was already like when Leah started with the Jeremy won't, or Corey won't let us call. I was like, okay. But if it ended there, it would have ended there because she did say, like, the girls are closer with Miranda now than ever. Okay. Drew then asked Jeremy how he gets along with Corey, and Corey says he doesn't at all. Um, let me, okay. 
let me get exactly what he said. I thought Jeremy seemed pretty drunk. And this is what he says. She's the only one who goes to Allie's appointments. Corey hasn't attended an appointment in who knows how long. And then she can't take the twins to their stepmom and drop them off. She has to wait for Corey. She wants zero to do with the twins. Zero. And it's obvious to anyone in the world. Okay. Let's break this down, shall we? And Corey must have read all my Reddit comments because then he went to the Ashley and, like, typed a little letter to the Ashley. I'm sure they didn't talk on the phone. He probably responded in email. And said basically the same shit that I fucking was screaming about on Reddit. She's the only one who goes to Allie's appointments. Guys, Corey has a fucking job. Now, in an ideal world, would Corey go to every appointment? Yes. Do I think maybe Corey's dropping the ball a little bit when he doesn't go to appointments? Sure. Do I think that maybe he should prioritize taking that time off for the appointments? Yeah, sure. But we don't live in an ideal world. Corey gets 10 days of vacation. He uses, he as he explains with the Ashley, he uses one of the weeks for their family vacation that they take every year. And then the five other days he has to spread out through the year. I want everyone to remember that Leah literally gets paid to take these girls to their appointments because they film it for MTV. It's her job. I do not think that it is unreasonable when you have one parent that has a non-traditional job, not even a work-from-home job. Like, Leah <laughs> Leah has a job in which they follow her around doing shit. You know, Leah has the least traditional job that you can ever have. I do not think it is unreasonable for the parent with the job that requires her never to be in a place be the one to take her to the appointments. What's also left out is that Corey's dad goes to the appointments every fucking year. Do you notice how they didn't mention that at all? And Corey's the one that pays for her insurance. He has to have this fucking job because he pays for the insurance. Just so everybody knows, the teen moms are 1099 workers. They don't get fucking health insurance from MTV. Imagine if they had to pay the fucking marketplace rate for Allie's insurance. I could pick up Guys, I'm hyped. I could pick up this tray table that my computer and my microphone are sitting on right now and throw it across the room, thinking about the fact that Leah did not pay a single word to the fact that Corey is the one paying for the health insurance. Now, should Corey be paying for the health insurance? Absolutely, because he's her father. But the fact that they don't acknowledge that the only way that they're able to reasonably afford to go to Ohio for her doctor's visits is because of Corey's job in which she gets two weeks off is fucking crazy. The fact that they didn't acknowledge when Dr. Drew said, well, it'd be nice to maybe have another person there for information. And Leah didn't say, well, Papa Jeff goes every year. <laughs> it's crazy. It's madness. They would be paying so much fucking money if they had to get marketplace insurance. Oh my God. It would be, I like, even though Leah makes a ton of money, it would be so much. The fact that they can use Corey's insurance is very, very vital. Okay. Number two, Jeremy's saying that Leah can't drop the twins off with their stepmom and she has to wait for Corey. Now, I saw a lot of people running with this and being like, well, why won't Miranda watch your girls by herself? Guys, Miranda is their primary fucking caregiver. She watches those girls by themselves all the fucking time. Corey works a nine to five. Well, maybe he probably works like an eight to four because he works a more physical labor job. But 
I find it very unlikely that Miranda, as the stay-at-home parent, is not spending a significant amount of alone time with the girls. I find it hard to believe that Miranda isn't the one, like, primarily managing the girls' lives when they're with her. What I can imagine is Leah rolling up to Corey's house four hours before drop-off as Miranda's trying to leave, and Miranda saying, no, you have to meet up with Corey at 8 o'clock tonight when it's the drop-off time. I'm on my way out. Like, Jeremy just dropping that nugget of information with zero context as to what actually happened. Also, it's fine. It's fine if Miranda doesn't want to be involved in drop-offs. It's fine if Miranda wants them to stick to the fucking custody schedule and drop off with Corey when she's supposed to. That's okay. That's not wrong. Okay. Then here's the kicker. When Jeremy says she wants zero to she wants zero to do with the twins, zero, and it's obvious to anyone in the world. If I was Corey, I would drive over to Jeremy's house and punch him in the fucking face for that. How dare he? How dare he? Miranda is the stay-at-home parent in the house that they're in the majority of the time. What does that mean she wants zero to do with them? It's not logically possible. Miranda is their stay-at-home parent. (laughs) For Jeremy, who goes months without calling Addie when he's on a job. Do you remember last season Jeremy was in town for weeks and didn't go see Addie? Jeremy doesn't even fucking know his kid and doesn't spend any fucking time with him or with her. Don't even get me started on how Jeremy didn't even know the twins' names, basically, when he was married to their mother. He's like, who are these little girls? And then once they're divorced, never talk to those bitches again. Like, she doesn't, he doesn't know anything about the twins and was a terrible step-parent to the twins. So for him to knock somebody else's step-parenting is fucking wild. We all watched the last five fucking seasons of Leah calling Jeremy a terrible dad who never calls Addie, doesn't see Addie when he's in town, and doesn't give a fuck. He showed up for one doctor's appointment this year and he's like, I'm the shit. And he's fucking their mom. Or at his at his mom. So he feels like he's really involved. That's insane. And for Leah. Now, I've also seen people be like, well, what was Leah supposed to do? Jeremy was saying it. Not her. Why would you blame Leah? Because Leah's the one that has a relationship with Corey and Miranda. Who the fuck are Corey and Miranda to Jeremy? They're nobody. He has no involvement in their life. He's not part of their life. He never sees them. He never interacts with them. He has nothing to do with them. They are the people who Leah co-parents with. For Leah to sit there and let Jeremy say on stage that Miranda wants nothing to do with those girls and it's obvious to the world is insane. Leah, if she had any fucking backbone and any sense of integrity and any morality, would have stopped him and said that is absolutely not true. All she had to do was say, Jeremy, stop. Yes, Miranda and I have had issues in the past. Yes, there have been a little bit of issues with co-parenting and the fact that the girls maybe feel like it's not so fair in their house. But Miranda loves those girls and has been caring for those girls for the last six years. Seven years. The girls were like three or four when Miranda and Corey got married. For Leah to not shut that down. Instead, she goes, uh-huh, and like makes a face that's like, ooh, like he's saying it, not me. Guys, do you know how much shit Corey Miranda never talked about Leah when she was a fucking pillhead and like ruining their daughter's lives? <laughs> I would lose my mind. <laughs> lose my fucking mind. So Dr. Drew was like, wait, what? 
He's like, that doesn't sound like the Miranda that I've known. Like, is something going on with her? And Leah has the audacity to say, I can't speak for her, but, like, I think there's something going on. Uh, yeah, you fucked her husband, and it's never been right between the two of you since. Now, another thing I want to address is, is like, Corey was obviously the one that cheated and was part of it, and I honestly don't really understand why Miranda stayed, but she stayed with him. Is it reasonable that Miranda does not want to be friends with Leah because of that? Yes. Yes, it's reasonable for Miranda to keep her distance. As long as Miranda's being civil and not talking shit about Leah to the girls and not creating drama, then it's okay. Like, Miranda is allowed to... Miranda is allowed to just not be friends with Leah and not want anything to do with Leah except for outside of what she has to do. That's okay. And for Leah to get up on stage and be like... I have no idea. I have no idea why she doesn't like me. Is another example of Leah being a fucking liar. So then Dr. Drew says, I think there's just something underlying that explains this. Yeah. The underlying thing is that while Corey and Miranda were married, Leah fucked Corey. (laughs) And Corey fucked Leah. Like, that's the underlying thing. There was cheating going on. And they've seemed to move on from it, but that means that Miranda doesn't really want anything to do with Leah outside of co-parenting. Jeremy then says that he thinks Corey uses her all the time. Hers and Leah. And Drew's like, honey's like to take care of Allie. He goes, yeah, Allie and Gracie. What? Leah's like, well, I'm going to every appointment no matter what. And Corey feels like because I'm going, like, he doesn't need to be there too. And Jeremy's like, he should still make an effort to go. And Dr. Drew's like, yeah, well, like, aren't a lot of these appointments, like, pretty perfunctory? And Jeremy says, I don't give a fuck if it's a two-minute appointment. At least show your presence for your child. Has Jeremy just, like, exited planet Earth? Like, what planet is Jeremy living on that he has the nerve to say that? (laughs) How many fucking doctor's appointments has Addie has Jeremy been to? How many first days of school has Addie been to? Of Addie says he's been to. He hasn't been to shit. Every fucking season is like, Jeremy's not here for this. Jeremy's not here for this. Jeremy's not here for this. But Jeremy, in his head, feels that everything is 100% justified because he works out of town and Corey doesn't. And so Corey should have unlimited time to do whatever he wants with the girls. Um, He then says, I can't be there for everything for Addie and it hurts my feelings. Boo-hoo. I miss so many appointments for my little girl and Corey has a great fucking schedule. He works at home and he can take off whenever he wants. I'm gonna go fishing. Like, what the fuck? Okay. A lot of people took this to mean that Corey works at his house, that he makes his own schedule, and that he was skipping doctor's appointments to go fishing. That is not what I got from this. What I got from this is Corey meant that he has a great schedule because he works Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, 9 to 5, whatever his hours are. Because as we know, Jeremy works, you know, for six weeks, he works seven days seven days a week from like 3.30 in the morning till. 5.30 at night, like, oil riggers work, like, crazy fucking hours when they're on, and then, you know, they're off for three or four weeks, and then they work these crazy hours again. So when Jeremy says he's a great schedule, he probably just means he works 9 to 5, the same hours every day. When he says he works at home, I'm 99.9% sure he means he works in his town. Because in Jeremy's world, if you work out of town, you don't have to do any sort of fathering responsibility whatsoever, but I guess if you work in your town, you need to be at every single appointment no matter what. He says he can take, takes off whenever he wants and he goes fishing. What he meant was like Corey takes vacations, which like, 
So fucking what? He takes a vacation where he goes fishing. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. And Dr. Drew was like, yeah, but I remember they used to go to stuff. And this is when Leah says something wild. She says, we're going through a custody battle and it matters what medical appointments you go to. Girl, you are going through a custody battle because you were a fucking drug addict that was neglecting your children and you were missing appointments and not taking them to school. Leah lost custody because of the amount of doctor's appointments and school drop-offs she missed. Leah or Corey Miranda had to go to these appointments because they couldn't fucking trust that Leah was relying to them the right information. And that's literally, like, what Corey says. Like, if Leah had any fucking sense, which we know she doesn't, they would. she would have been like, you know, Corey always went because when I was, like, an addict, I was pretty unreliable and he couldn't, like, trust that I was giving him the right information. But now that I am no longer a active drug user, like, he trusts that I get her to the appointment. It's actually pretty amazing that he, like, relies on me for that and I'm able to fulfill that responsibility because a few years ago I wasn't able to. He says this is exactly what he says. The thing with me not going to the doctor's appointment with Allie is simple also. When the custody battle was going on and Lee and I had no trust in each other and the co-parenting relationship was rough, I couldn't make the appointment make it to the if I couldn't make it to the appointments I made sure someone from my family was there to relay the information with me so I knew what was going on with Allie's condition at the beginning of our journey when we weren't sure what was going on with Allie I was at every doctor's appointment that I could possibly be at now we know what's going on and most of the recent appointments have all been positive positive. and ever since Lee and I settled our settled our custody issues and we became better at co-parenting and we had more trust in each other it was easier for her to take Allie to the appointments in Ohio while I worked and provided health insurance for the girls Corey said that he and Lee were both on the same page about it, and that if something came up that Allie was unusual, he made sure he was at the appointments. Corey, who has custody of the twins for the majority of the week, stated that he has limited vacation time to use, unlike Leah, whose only job is filming for Team Mom 2. There were days throughout the year that Allie or Leah got sick, and I would take off work to get them to the doctor, which also explained for calls for time off work, Corey explained. As of right now, I have two weeks vacation time. One week is for the annual family vacation, and the other week is spaced out throughout the year to make sure everything is done that needs to be done for the kids and the family. Before the Jeremy issue came up, I had already planned on going to Allie's appointment at the end of the year since vacation time will start over in January. Um, Like, ex- exactly. Like, any reasonable person knows this, but Leah is just so detached from reality that she so believes that Corey ripped those girls out of her bi- caring and loving arms that she had no fault at all or part at all in losing custody. (sighs) Leah says that she would love to have a better relationship with both of them. Uh, She also said that when they're at like a ball game, it feels the tension. She'll be talking to Corey's family. And as soon as Miranda arrives and Jeremy interjects when the queen arrives and Leah's like, no, Miranda, when Miranda arrives, Uh, She said everyone stops talking to each other and everyone separates. And, like, is that great? Like, no. Like, should Miranda and Leah, like, get along better? Yeah. But, like, Leah, this is the reality. Like, this is a consequence of sleeping with a woman's husband. (laughs) She does. She's not going to ever fucking like you. And her family, because Miranda, they're Miranda's family, Her family is going to take her side over yours and make sure that she feels okay. Like, it's a natural consequence. And the fact that Leah feels that she should have no consequences for anything she did in her addiction at all and anything she did regarding her relationship with Corey while he was with Miranda just shows that she takes no responsibility for anything. 
Dr. Drew then really rounds it out, saying how much he appreciates that you're looking out for the twins to Jeremy. And Jeremy's like, well, why wouldn't I? I don't know, because you don't give a fuck about your own kid. You've never given a fuck about those twins in your entire life. And Dr. Drew goes, ha, have you watched a show before? That's what they all do. Nobody steps up. (sighs) It's just so fucked, guys. It's so fucked. It's so fucked. Like, I honestly, it would be one thing. It would be one thing if it was just the part that Leah said. I would still be like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't really believe that they're not letting the girls call and that Miranda is such a bitch. I'm sure she's just harsher on them. But for her to let Jeremy blow up her co-parenting relationship is insane. And plus, like, everything Corey says or Jeremy says we know came straight from Leah's mouth. Like, where else would he learn this? Like, if I was Corey Miranda, like, that'd be it. We'd be done. Like, I don't know how Corey is going to talk to them again. Like, he said, talk to Leah again. He, like, got on Twitter that night and was like, what the fuck? He's like, I had no idea she felt this way. Like, I don't understand where this is coming from. This is coming out of nowhere. No one has said anything to me about it. Oh, and by the way, with the appointment thing, I'd like to remind everyone that Allie didn't actually say she wanted her dad at her appointment. Leah goes, I mean, I don't want him at the appointment, but, like, I think Allie does. Like, she doesn't even say Allie wants him there. Like, she's projecting all of her own shit onto him. It's just, it's not, it's just not, it's not right. It's so not right. I cannot understand why she let Corey do this. Like, I don't get it. Or Jeremy do this. I don't get it. Like, if I was Leah, I would have shut that shit down so quickly. I mean, like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about this because this is going to blow up my relationship with Corey Miranda, where things have been seemingly really good. And if the worst thing in their co-parenting relationship, seriously, if the worst thing between the three of them is that it's awkward between Maria and Leah, Miranda and Leah, did I say Maria? (laughs) That's their ship name, Maria. If the worst thing between Miranda and Leah is that it's, like, awkward when they're in the same place, which really isn't that often, and that, like, Corey's family feels a little awkward when they're on the same place, like, that's a pretty good result considering that Miranda and Corey had to go to court to get, like, custody taken away from Leah and that Leah was, like, a really bad drug addict and that Leah fucked Corey. Corey and Leah fucked. Sorry, I don't want to take all of Corey's agency away because Corey made this very bad choice all on his own. He's a big boy. He did it, too. Like, I'm not saying, like, Leah, like, ruined Corey and Miranda's marriage. Like, no, no, no. This was, Corey fucked up his marriage. Leah didn't fuck up Corey's marriage. But Leah made a decision that would hurt Miranda. You know what I mean? Like, Corey is the one that fucked up his marriage. But Leah personally hurt Miranda. And it is reasonable to never want to be friends or even friendly with the woman who fucked your husband. And it's also reasonable for you and your husband to move on and for you to be cordial with that woman, but not friends with her. Like, that's okay. And if that's truly, like, the worst thing that happened, if that's the worst consequence that happens out of all of the shit that the three of them went through, like, that's pretty good. This is something that, like, drives me nuts in life. It drives me nuts with the teen moms. Like, people who cannot accept consequences of their behavior and their actions. Like, that was a big thing for me to learn in recovery is that, like, we all have 
consequences for the way that we behave. And we are all responsible for our own behavior. And we are all responsible for dealing with the fallout of our behavior. And if that means that a woman whose husband you fucked doesn't want to be friendly with you, like, sorry, sis, that's just life. And the fact that Miranda will, you know, like, isn't like creating drama between her and Corey and like, remember at a certain time, like, Miranda wouldn't even, like, let Corey be alone with Leah, and (laughs) that was very shortly after they had sex. (laughs) And it's gotten a lot better, and Corey and Leah seem pretty fine, and it seems like Miranda's fine with Corey and Leah doing drop-offs on their own, which is where they had sex the first time. Like, it seems like things have gotten pretty good, and for Leah not to be able to accept her responsibility in this situation is just infuriating to me. It's really, really fucking annoying. <laughs> I <laughs> I feel good. I love to scream about Leah. I love it. Did you guys like that? <laughs> okay, let me is there anything to talk about with Jade? Um basically nothing really to talk about with Jade. Uh, Dr. Drew asks if her mom uses meth, and she's like, I don't know. I don't know. They're very weird talking about Chrissy's drug addiction, right? Very weird. Um, oh, we did find out that Jade's father, biological father, killed himself when she was six months old, and she basically blames her mom for it. And it's like, well, I won't leave Sean because I don't want him to kill himself, is essentially what she says. And Dr. Drew is like, yikes, that's not how it works. And Jade's like, well, I don't really care. (laughs) This is how I feel. Uh, Christy is, has there ever been, like, a less appealing television character than Christy? Like, she is, she's tough. She's a tough cookie to watch on TV. Like, she doesn't take accountability for anything. She is rough around the edges. She says, like, she never did drugs when her kids were were little, but she was in jail when, uh, Jade was a senior in high school for violating probation. So it's like, okay, when did you get on probation? She's like, well, I didn't do drugs until the kids were out of the house because I feel like I didn't have a purpose anymore. And it's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I need some more background on what Jade's childhood was actually like. Uh, Christy also says for her, going to meetings is a trigger because they talk about drugs in meetings, which some people feel is the case, but I don't really believe Jade I mean, not Jade. I don't believe Chrissy when she says that's why she doesn't go to meetings. Uh, yeah, Jade is just like, not Jade. Chrissy is just like a very unappealing character on this show. Like, I I like the drama she brings, but I could really do without her at the reunions. I don't need to, like, listen to her talk at reunions. Okay, let's go on to Teen Mom, Young and Pregnant, right after this quick break. If you're anything like me, you love giving gifts. Guys, I love, love, love giving gifts. It's my love language. I love to give unique, thoughtful gifts that I know that they'll appreciate that isn't just necessarily something that I bought on a whim. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones tell the story of their lives through the thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. The way this works is that every week, StoryWorth emails your family member a different story prompt, questions you never thought to ask, like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises and what's the riskiest thing you have ever done. And then after one year, we'll compile every answered question and photo you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. 
This has been so awesome for me. I was really excited to work with StoryWorth, and I decided to pick my sister-in-law. Now, my sister-in-law, Brittany, is somebody that I love, that we have a great relationship, but I wouldn't necessarily say I know a ton about her life before she came into our family, even though that was like 12 years ago now, but there's still a lot about her that I don't know. So it's been really interesting seeing her answers. I read things about like, what were her grandparents like? I don't think I've ever heard her mention her grandparents. So to learn that they were French Canadian and that that had a big impact on how she grew up was super interesting to me. I decided to tailor a lot of the questions that Brittany would be asked around parenting because I thought this would be a great thing that she could pass down to her son, my nephew, one day. I love that I could pick the questions. If I wanted to write in questions, I was able to do it. Basically, StoryWorth was so easy to use. It was really fun to set up and it's been so interesting to see the answers and I really can't wait for Brittany to get the book. So if you are interested in StoryWorth, you can go to storyworth.com slash feathers and get $20 off your first order. That's storyworth.com slash feathers for $20 off. That Rachel man, look. I saw a lot of people online confused about Rachel telling her mom over and over again that all she wanted for her birthday was to get fucked up. Here's the thing. Is that weird in a normal family? Yeah, of course. It's extremely bizarre. Even for kids that like partied a lot, but still had normal parents, they wouldn't say like, all I want to do is get fucked up when they're 17 years old. But I need everyone to remember that Rachel, first of all, wasn't raised by her mom. So she doesn't have a classic like mother-daughter relationship. I'm sure she wouldn't say to her Nana who raised her, Well, maybe she would, but I would venture to guess that she wouldn't say that to her Nana, that all she wanted to do was get fucked up. It's not a normal relationship, but, like, this is what happens when your parents are drug addicts. I don't think at 17 I would have said, like, all I want for my birthday is to be fucked up, like, for my 17th birthday, but, like, shortly around shortly around. Shortly after my 17th birthday, I think I was, like, smoking pot with my mom. And, like, I was allowed to, like, have parties at my house where everybody drank and, like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have, like, used such familiar language. Like, that's how I would talk to my friends. I don't know if I would, like, talk to my parents that way. But, like, I... (laughs) It's different when your parents are in active alcoholism or addiction and just like aren't really caring what you're doing um Rachel does not have a normal mother-daughter relationship with her mom so we can't expect normal mother-daughter behavior I found this whole episode to be like weird and uncomfortable I couldn't understand why Rachel was so angry the whole time I will say I was glad to hear that she like actually in the end kind of regretted it I think maybe she needed that day of going out and getting drunk and Hi, I'm guessing that's why she needed $40, uh, probably buy beneath the weed, uh, but getting fucked up all day and then realizing like she missed her daughter and it wasn't as fun as she thought it would be. And I think she's probably just like really going through it with wanting to still be her old self, but actually embracing her role as a mom and just not sure how to handle that. So yeah, it's definitely, at least in my opinion, like it's a relatable feeling what Rachel was saying, 
Um, and it wasn't like, a, I don't know. I understand for like most people, it's truly insane. The idea of thinking about being 17 and talking to your parents about getting fucked up. And it is like, that's insane. But her parents were fucked up. And like her mom is more like her friend. My big question is like, who's floating this family financially? Because it seems that her mom is fully financially supporting Rachel, Rachel's brother, Mallory. Does Mallory have a job? Uh, Hazley. What's Mallory's baby's name? Oh, I've forgotten. Whatever Mallory's baby is named, like herself, Jacob lives there, maybe? Like, I, who's paying for all of this? Because this week she was like, I have $40 in my bank account and I can't go to work. And I was like, wait. I mean, I never thought they were, like, rich or anything, but I kind of figured her mom was, like, working full time and making a decent amount. And, like, that's how they were all getting by because it seems to be a lot of adults and children living in one home without, like, any sort of income. But, like, money hasn't been a talk at all because usually in these situations, like, they'll talk a lot about money. Like, we see in Bree's segment this week, it's, like, all about money and we know they're broke and their segments have always been all about money, which just doesn't bother me. Like, I... I've seen some people not like it, but for me, I think it's very real. So I'm a little confused by Rachel's financials and, like, what exactly is going on there. But, yeah, is it weird to say over and over again to your parents that all you want to do for your birthday is get fucked up? Yes, but it's also weird to have parents that are drug addicts and alcoholics and lose custody and don't raise you. <laughs> I, okay, I, let's go to Kayla Remember, I'm just giving my general thoughts, and then I'm going to answer a couple Q&As. But actually, screaming about Leah, like, really made me feel a lot better. And I actually just took, like, an hour break between that last segment and recording this to watch TikToks. Because, like, what else would I do, guys? Why wouldn't I spread this process out for hours? <laughs> why would I just record and get it over with? <laughs> this is why it takes me so fucking long, because I just, like, hit pause and then spend two fucking hours watching TikToks. And I should be recording this goddamn podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kayla, I honestly, I wish I would write Steve, Stefan off this show. I do not. I don't like anything about Stefan. He like, he gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't like to follow him. I don't need any Stefan scenes. Like, let Luke be the dad. <laughs> And we can just move on from Stefan. I collectively, me, Kayla, Luke, Isaiah, and this show, that's what I mean by us. I would like for us collectively to move on from Stefan. I don't like him on the show. I don't need to see his girlfriend. I know this is kind of a weird call to action because, like, he's the father of Isaiah and that's how the show Teen Mom works. Like, I get that. I just don't like any scenes with him. I thought they had a lot of fucking nerve to talk shit on Kayla, his mom and his sister and his new girlfriend, to be like, we didn't like Kayla from day one. It's like, Kayla's the one raising your grandson who you have never reached out to a day in your fucking life. Um, I would be whew, heated if I saw that, if I was Kayla or Jamie. Oh, I really liked Luke's mom. I was glad we got to see Luke's family. I'm actually like, happy in a way for Kayla. I mean, I'm not happy for her situation. I still think she is having, can, deciding to continue with this pregnancy is a choice that I personally cannot understand for Kayla. But 
it is nice that his family seems so involved and his mom being like, all children are welcome here. We love Isaiah. We'll treat Isaiah like our own. Jamie seemed really comfortable with them. Um, And you guys know I like Jamie and I like to see Jamie in a comfortable situation. I was definitely happy to see that. I thought that was really nice. It was nice to see them be so loving and open. And here's my thing. I like people who really put their money where their mouth is when they say a baby is a blessing. You know, like I have a lot of respect for somebody who says like a baby is a blessing and then like follows through on it. Because I feel like you hear a lot of people say things like, well, every baby's a blessing, but then they aren't supportive of the mom and don't offer any help and aren't excited about the pregnancy and all of that shit. And so it's nice to see his family, like, really follow through with what they say they believe. So good for Luke's family. I thought the gender reveal was nice, if not very anticlimactic, because this was filmed so long ago. But... I just don't need to see Stefan. I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, For Stefan's mom to, like, not reprimand him for not paying child support, like, the only negative thing she had to say about that was, like, well, you know, you can't file custody, like, for custody until you pay that child support. It's $40 a fucking month, which I don't think is right. I think it's $40 a week. $40. I swear they said last year's $40 a month because it ended, it was, like, but I don't know, maybe it was 40 or excuse me, I thought they said it was $40 a week. Maybe it is $40 a month. Whatever it is, either way, if you can't afford either of those when you, like, don't seem to have a ton of other expenses in your life, like, shit's fucked up. Stefan is a fucking deadbeat loser. And to hear his mom say he's going to get 50-50 custody, like, if I was Kayla, I would laugh out loud at that. <laughs> also, MTV definitely was the one that paid for them to go to Florida. So when, like, they were filming, they paid for that. There's no way Stefan had money for two plane tickets. No fucking way. Okay, Brie. (sighs) Brie's poor. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of like watching her and her family make crazy decisions based on the fact that they're poor. I don't know if that sounds right. It probably does not. But what I'm saying is I see a lot of people online bitch about how much they hate watching Jessica make such irresponsible decisions and they just want the child support and blah, blah, blah. But my thing is I think that Jessica and Brie are very reflective of a lot of decisions that people make in real life when living in poverty. And I think that it's like People are like, well, why would they move to Portland without jobs and what were they doing, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, they moved out there because their family is from there and things weren't good in Milwaukee. So they like made maybe a bad impulsive choice. But like everybody in this world makes bad and impulsive choices. And we're just seeing like the ramifications of it because they're broke and they don't have money and they're really struggling and they would have been broke and struggling in Milwaukee too. I don't know. I don't know how to describe exactly what I'm trying to say, but... Like, that's some real shit. When you don't have fucking health insurance, you have to go to the hospital and it's going to be $8,000. I mean, hopefully those Fashion Nova ads can cover that. But, like, that's some real shit that, like, missing three days of work is, like, going to really put you out. And I don't think their lives would have been that any better in Milwaukee. Yes, the cost of living is lower in Wisconsin. Milwaukee's in Wisconsin, right? I don't, I'm not good at geography. I'm a dumb dumb like Leah. Uh, 
Yes, I'm sure the cost of living in Milwaukee is lower than it is outside of Portland, which, by the way, they keep saying she's living in Portland, but she lives like 45 minutes outside of Portland. And according to Reddit, the cost of living is much lower there than it is in downtown Portland, although still more expensive than Wisconsin. But, like, they're going to be poor anywhere they go, so they may as well live in a place where Jessica wants to live and close to her family. As we saw, Bree's grandma was able to come over and be with her and help with Brayson while Bree was sick, and they wouldn't have that in Wisconsin. So, I don't know. People, like, fucking hate Jessica and Bree and are, like, so outraged by everything they do. But, like, they don't get under my skin, really. Like, do I think they're making poor choices? Like, sure. But I don't really see why them, like, moving to Milwaukee and, or moving, I don't see why it's any different for them to struggle in Wisconsin than it is for them to struggle in Oregon and why we should be mad about them struggling in Oregon. Because if they stayed in Wisconsin, we would still just be watching them struggle in Wisconsin. You know? Like, I don't know. I Like, the vitriol, how do you say that word? Vitriol? Just, like, the extreme, like, anger and hate towards Jessica's seemingly like bad life management skills which I will agree don't seem great I don't get it like we look we all have our things like Nate makes me want to kill him and then myself like Nate makes me want to murder suicide when he's around and other people are like he's he doesn't really bother me I get it we all have our things we watch a show and we all have certain things that like really get to us and for whatever reason like Jessica and Brie just like don't do that for me they don't anger me I think they're, like, mostly fine. Uh, Ashley, I'm so glad that Barr finally said, like, you don't fuck your friends. Because we have been listening to this conversation of, like, we're together, we're not together, we're not together. Why do we act like we're together? And they've, like, been pussyfooting around it. And finally, Barr's like, so why do we fuck if we're just friends? <laughs> I was like, finally, finally. Because I was saying that, I know I was saying that on an episode a couple weeks ago where I was like, Barr's just saying, like, why do we fuck if we're not together? And why do we act like we're together if we're not together? Um, Ashley is, like, Ashley even says, like, you friend zoned yourself. And he's like, I'm not in the friend zone. We fuck. <laughs> That's what pushed him over the edge when she said he's in the friend zone. He's like, nah, I'm not letting this bitch say that on TV. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. By the way, I think Ashley is so beautiful. She has such a pretty body. Like, when they were at bowling and she was just in, like, those jeans and that little pink crop top, I was like, holy shit, Ashley is so beautiful. Holly is such a cute fucking baby. When Holly saw that other baby and at, at T's birthday party and was pointing and said, hello, baby. Hello, baby. Oh, my God. I could have died. Um, I think it's nice that T wants Barr to be included in their family stuff. I think that, I think that T's a lot like Ashley and that she genuinely loves Barr. I think Barr is probably, Ashley even says it, like, he's so chill most of the time. It's just that when he pops off, he, like, goes so extreme. And I think that, like, I understand, like, why they all love Barr. I think Barr is, like, funny and nice. And when he's being normal, like, he probably blends well, so well into their family, and, like, we know he's got his mommy issues with Shen, so I'm sure he's, like, when he's getting along with Ashley and T, I'm sure, like, he totally just treats T like another mother and loves up on her like a mother, and T, I'm sure, loves that. And, like, I don't know. I've always understood Bar and Ashley a lot, like, their dynamics, and I, I just get how 
her family is like so willing to bring like let Barr keep coming back even with his bad behavior because I think 90% of the time they just see such like a good loving guy you know even if he doesn't have a job and whatever he's a bum like Barr's a bum but he's like a nice fun bum that you want around <laughs> like don't you know those type of people like I think Barr really is that but I do understand where Ashley is like I'm not really sure like He's our family, but, like, we're, if we're not together, like, how included he is. And I think that is a very real concern to have. But I think that Ashley and Bars, I've said many times on this podcast, are going to be doing their on and off thing for <laughs> forever. Like, forever. Unless Ashley finds somebody that she, like, is fucking head over heels in love with, she's not moving on from Bar. And I don't think she'll meet that person while she's still fucking around with Bar because I personally believe that for... 99% of people that you cannot fall in love with someone new if you are still taking up like all the space in your heart for your former person. I mean, I'm sure some people can, but I really think that like if you are still like that deep and involved with your ex or whatever they are, like the universe won't send you and your heart won't be open to someone new. But if somehow Ashley's able to meet someone like that, like, I think that's the only time Barr's going to be out of her life for good. Like, they're going to break up. She's going to date other guys. But, like, she, I think she's going to have a hard time finding what she has with Barr um, with anybody else. And I think she's going to have a hard time realizing, like, just because she loves Barr and he's, like, funny and her best friend and she loves spending time with him does not mean that they should be together and that even like if she meets a new like she can meet a new guy who doesn't like emotionally fulfill her as much as bar but fulfill her in so many other ways and like be a true partner and teammate and like that's okay and that's probably even better does that make sense like I'm not saying that she won't love another guy as much as she loves bar but I think that she'll probably at one point need to accept that she's gonna have to love a guy differently than she loves bar and I also kind of think like we don't see Ashley with friends a lot like even on her Instagram I don't see her with a lot of friends I mean I know she's close with her sister but I wonder if, like, I think Barr has probably, like, fulfilled the best friend role for her for years and years. And so, like, she's getting a lot emotionally from Barr. And I think what would really suit her is to, like, have a female best friend that she, like, you know, just is a soul sister with. And then from her significant other, be able to have, like, a true romantic and life partner because Barr's not Barr's her romantic partner but he's not her life partner Barr is a fucking bum as I said and I just I think that for years and years she's just going to be comparing other guys and like kind of expecting to feel exactly the same way about them as she did about Barr and I hope that as she grows and matures she's going to realize like it's okay if love looks different with different partners if they're giving like if they're a true teammate for her because she's going to be dragging Barr's bum ass around forever. Like, I genuinely, and I know Princess has said this, like, I genuinely can see them together forever. <laughs> Not, like, married and happy, but, like, doing their thing that they're doing now exactly like they're doing it forever. And that's depressing as fuck. <sighs> okay, Kaya, Kaya's mom, her and her sister all look so much alike. Uh, basically, baby armor, Amor, I 
Hmm, I already forgot. I think it's armor. Is that how you spell armor? I don't know. Hmm. Ammer? Amor? Ugh, I'm such an idiot. I don't know. I, look at me, like, calling Leah a classically stupid person, and then I don't know how to pronounce anybody's name because of my learning disability. I never said I wasn't a hypocrite. <laughs> uh, basically, she's talking to Xavion all the time, and T.A.'s is mad about it, and... I don't have that much sympathy for Tiesa. I'm going to be honest. I like her. I think she seems quite nice. Um, as I said, she's very young. She talks about being in school, and I'm pretty sure she means high school. Like, I think she goes to high school every day. Like, they're very young. But when she's like, I don't understand why Xavion needs to call all the time, it's like, because that's his child. <laughs> like, I get it, because uh, did they break up, or did... Kaya cheat on her. I don't know the exact story. I think they broke up for a little bit. And like I get that that's like a really hard situation, but it's also like the reality like that's the baby's dad and the baby's dad is in jail, so the only way for them to like have communication is for the two of them to talk. And I don't know. I guess where my sympathy is like Tia's like what are you doing? Like you're not that baby's parent. So like if you don't want to, like, share the baby's parental role with the dad, like, scoot magoot, you know? Like, put your shoes on and walk out the door. I just am confused by why she's, like, tying herself down in this way. I just think it's a bad choice for her. And I think, like, graduating from high school and going to college and working a job and then starting a family, like, on her own with a partner and it's just their babies and just the two of their names are on the birth certificate would be a much better option for her. I think it's very similar to Danae, to Danae and Brie. And like, I said this, I know, uh, last season, Milo, excuse me, that Milo, like, or maybe it's two, I don't know. When was the last time we saw him? Two seasons ago. That like, as long as he is playing daddy to kids that, like, have dads or kids that aren't his and he's getting attached, like, he's going to get hurt because he is never going to have, like, rights to those kids. And I think that's exactly about to be the issue with Tiaza and Kaya, although I believe they're still together. So who knows? Maybe they'll prove me wrong. But I just think that, like, they're not old enough to make, like, a responsible decision to become a step-parent. And I also think, well, I think the real issue is that they're not... They're not taking on a step-parent role. They're taking on, like, a full parental role. Like, they want to be that child's mom. Or, in Milo's case, the dad. Like, the real dad. I'm using quotation marks. Uh, Like, I think Tiaza, like, sees herself as the baby's mom. And that's just not the case. Like, it's not true. There is a second parent involved, and it's not her. And I think she's too young and immature to, like, kind of get that. Like, I think it's different than if she came into the picture, you know, and decided and, like, was, like, I'm the stepmom and, like, understood, like, I don't know. I think there's just an issue, and I think it's obviously age and maturity that's happening here. There's an issue with Tiaza being the full second parent, the other mom, and not a stepmom, which is what she is. And I think that they can't get there because... 
because of the situation that they're in and that Xavion's in prison and that they've been together for so long and they were like the real couple and Xavion, you know, was like the side piece that just like popped up for a minute and then she like accidentally got pregnant. I just think it's a crazy situation and watching them fight over the formula. (laughs) Poor Kaya. I like, I understood exactly what was going on, that they were just sleep deprived and Kaya was mad, but her lashing out about the formula like that, it was like, Girl, that's not going to get you anywhere. Ugh. Ugh. I, also, I hope we get to see... I mean, we won't get to see their visit in jail. I want to see Xavion. Have we seen a picture of him yet? I want to, like, see him. I want him to film... I want Xavion to film from prison. <laughs> oh, yay, 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 yay. Okay, that's it for T-Mom Young and Pregnant. I... Ugh, this is actually a much longer episode than I thought it would be. And I am like, well, I won't do a Q&A, but I promised I would, and a bitch keeps her promises, so let me just quickly answer some questions. I just really thought I'd only be able to talk for, like, 30 minutes because I just, you know, was post-massage dying, but I actually feel pretty good and talked for a while, so, yeah, let me just answer some questions real quick. Okay, Crawlspace asked me my favorite terrible Leah look, which is definitely like crunchy hair Leah like when she was full on crazy crazy country country crunchy hair oh she was crazy um a console asks which character mom which mom character do you relate the least to and why which by the way on the bonus episode if you didn't listen um I said the character I related most to was Chelsea which Princess was like, oh, I'm so glad you said out loud. But, like, I thought it was very obvious that I'm a Chelsea. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I thought everybody under... We were all on the same page that I'm a Chelsea and that, like, my dad takes care of my life and, like, always has and, like, solves every problem. And I'm, like, heavily reliant and dependent on my parents. Like, I thought we were all... I thought we all acknowledged that. I guess I never said it out loud, which I'm kind of surprised about because I thought I had. And it's... I don't, it's just a fact that I'm a Chelsea. Uh, so which character, Teen Mom character, do you relate least to? That's a good one. Um, I would maybe say Amber. I don't understand Amber's rage and anger. I would also say Kale in this. Um, I would say naturally I'm not a person that gets really vindictive and petty and I'm not like a physically violent person at all. I've never been in a fight in my life. I am not really, I mean, I know I like yelled on this podcast about Leah and I like to speak my mind and I have a lot of opinions, but I wouldn't say that I'm a person that like gets super angry a lot. Like not, my anger looks so different from Amber's or Kale's or Jade. So I would say any like the really angry moms I am like very different from um even like in my addiction like I've just never naturally been like that and I can't see myself ever having like relationships like they have in the type of fights that they have it's just like that's like not me at all and obviously like there's things in all the girls I relate to and things in all the girls I don't relate to but I would say like if people met me and my personality and what I'm like and my friends that are listening to this, I think they would say, like, I'm the opposite of, like, a Kale, an Amber, or a Jade. I would say, like, 
personality-wise, as far as, like, how I interact with people and in social situations, I would say I'm more of, like, a Macy in that I'm, like, <laughs> I don't know. Is that – I don't know if that – I'm not as as laid back as Macy. Definitely not as laid back as Macy. But I would say in general I'm, like, a pretty – um I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if I would say I'm easygoing, but I'm, like, pretty fine with, like, okay, we can do that. Sure, we can do that. Okay. Like, I like to control the things that I can control, but the things that I can't control, I'm, like, very... I'm pretty, like, okay, we can deal with that. Like, that's fine. I don't know. I would, like... I'd be interested if my... Like, if Katie Paisley, if you get this long. (laughs) My dear friend Katie, who I've known since high school, who listens to this, will be, like... Will text me, like... Three weeks later, still listening to you in Princess. <laughs> because she doesn't just sit down and listen to an episode, and this one's kind of a long one. But Katie or Julia, let me know which... If if you agree that I'm more, like, Macy and kind of, like, going with the flow for a lot of stuff and not, like, Amber, Lee, Amber, Kale, and Jade. I think that's probably how I would answer that. Okay, I mean, this person's name is Jamie, but I don't know how I pronounce her Instagram username. Amala J. I don't know. Biggest pet peeve of Teen Mom fans. Um, I mean, I have a lot <laughs> because obviously this like this podcast is like uh, a big part of this podcast is being a meta commentary on the fandom. Like that's always been like what I wanted this podcast to be. I wanted, I didn't want to just talk about Team Mom. I wanted to talk about all of their online antics, which also includes like talking about the fans' online antics. Like it's a symbiotic relationship. And so I would just say a Team Mom, like a pet peeve in the Team Mom fandom is people that, uh, okay. So like people that would watch that Jeremy rant and take it as fact. Even though Jeremy and Lee are, like, two of the least trustworthy people on this show. And then say shit, like, well, I knew Miranda was a bitch and she wouldn't... She's not letting Leah drop the girls off if Corey's not there. And it's like, why are you believing one line that Jeremy said based on everything that we've seen on this fucking show? That bothers me. When people, like, take these things as fact when it seems pretty obvious that they're not. Um, okay, Molly Liz Seven says, chances of Leah hiding a Costa Rican boyfriend the way she hid TR because she's a racist. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't disagree probably that she might be a racist. Like, I, I don't think that would be a crazy thing. She's white and she's, you know, from a very small town and a sheltered life and from an all-white community. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's racist. Um, I think that she had TR less likely because of his race and more likely because she was just getting so much hate and didn't want to hear about it from anybody. Um, She is apparently talking to some guy in Costa Rica. She talked about it on Kale's podcast, but she says she's not dating him. I think it's more that she's hiding these guys because she doesn't want to hear it and she's a liar. Um, But like, could racism play into why she's hiding them? Like, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh. Gervs Mer Chickman asked, if you had to date someone from the Teen Mom universe, who would it be? Hmm. Who would I date from the Teen Mom universe? Maybe. This is hard. I don't, I don't know. I probably would need, I think if like it was one of the guys, I would say I would maybe date Taylor if I had to date one of the, because I just think he's like, he like is fine. 
and like wouldn't be annoying and like would be funny-ish. Uh, if I was to date one of the girls, like I wanted to have like a whirlwind romance with anybody on this show would be Ashley from Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. Like, I feel like her vibe and her energy, like, you could just have, like, a crazy, like, three months romance with Ashley from Team Mom Young and Pregnant, and then you'd be like, oh my god, what happened? Like, you'd wake up and be like, oh my god. Um, I think it's ter- in terms of, like, long-term partnerships, like, if I had to pick one of the Team Moms to marry, I'd say Macy, even though I don't, like, attra- I'm not attracted to Macy, she's not my type, but I think that she would be the person that's easiest to be married to. Her drinking might be a little bit of an issue for me, but probably Macy if I was going to, like, marry someone from Teen Mom, which is kind of crazy because I don't particularly... (laughs) She's not, like, one of my favorite Teen Moms. I just think, like, in general, like, who would be the easiest to be, like, around every single day would probably be Macy. So, yeah, I guess, like, for one date for a guy would be Taylor. I'm trying to think of the guys on this show. Uh, yeah, I guess it'd be Taylor for the men. For a whirlwind romance with anybody, it would be Ashley. And if I had to marry anybody in the whole universe of Teen Mom, it would be Macy, I guess. You know, Teen Mom, like, has no good men. <laughs> I mean, like, if I had to marry one of the guys, like, I guess I would pick Cole. I guess. I guess. Um, There just, like, aren't really cute men. And even, like, the non-cute ones, like, there aren't really... Ones whose personality I like or, like, want to be around. I think the women are a much better pool to pick from. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Fiona Claire Doug wants to know which hair is best versus worst for Leah, Jade, and Amber. Um, I think Jade's hair is fine, right? Like, what does Jade's hair look like? I can't... I've no, I don't think I have negative feelings towards Jade, Uh Amber's hair is just always a mess, but I liked her hair, like, around when she gave birth, and it was just, like, natural and brown, and I just hate Leah's hair. I really hate Leah's hair. Um, why do you, oh, I talked about this in the bonus episode, but I'll just say it here quickly. Uh, Allie Loves Lemons wants to know how Leah is able to avoid a lot of the hate the other girls receive, and I think it's twofold. I think that she is meek. And people love meekness and they, like, she doesn't pop off on people a lot. So you're not rooting against her necessarily. And she's, like, quiet and kind of pretty. I mean, I don't really really think she's that pretty, but she's blonde and thin. And, you know, it does it for people. So I think she's meek and that meekness makes people feel like they want to protect her. And then Allie. Like, I think people are like, well, Allie. So they, like, can't hate her. Um, Rydog85, who's been riding hard with me on our anti-Leah train, says, will MTV ever call Leah out on her lies? I don't think so, for the same reason I just said. I think it's because no matter what, she basically will always be a fan favorite because people perceive her meekness as needing to be protected and because of Allie. Uh, Snives333 said, do you think they will drag out the tired storyline of Jeremy and Leanne to next season? Yes. I mean, I think that this Corey stuff's now going to become <laughs> something to talk about next season. But yeah, I think um, as long as Leah and Jeremy are talking at all or not in other relationships, like, we'll be hearing about them. Okay. Wow. This is a long solo. This might be one of my longest solo episodes ever. Anyway, thanks, guys. I love you. I hope you have a great week. What's next week? I'll be on next week. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll be on there. I'm probably, like, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm going to do for uh, my holiday schedule, but I'll let you know. Anyway, have a good week, and I'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, feathers underscore pod. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsycho.com 